The following is a great conversation with my good friend Jabari. Jabari is the founder and creator of Blue Alchemy Studios and its first upcoming game, Planet Rise, a digital strategy card game with a uh, lead character named Nia and a supporting cast of diverse characters that we get the opportunity to talk about and address many of the questions that came up in the Black Representation GDC panel, as well as how they frame the game we're building, the game that we're writing, the characters that we're creating, and the story we're trying to tell, but also, more importantly, about how these questions will become a framework for many of the issues that we're going to come up against and that we plan to continue discussing walking around the lake. My name is Seth Singleton, and you're listening to Storytelling with Seth. And I'm going to be honest, we tried a new format with the walking around the lake technique. There are some hiccups, there's some times when the audio drops off, and it was a first test run that we really just wanted to give a solid go and press on even when there were issues. So I'm going to start out by thanking you for joining along and for sticking along, and If you find that it really affects the quality and that you wish that it had been a cleaner copy, we can work on that and get a new draft. But we wanted to show you what our honest efforts were. Um, Jabari's a busy guy, and I wanted to make sure that we could do something that fits his schedule. And luckily, this is something we were able to accomplish for the first run. And I think it's something we can accomplish in the future. We're just going to have to take a little, uh, little bit of time working out the kinks. And we appreciate your patience, understanding, and willingness to join us while we do. So, please sit back and enjoy a great conversation with myself and my friend Jabari. And as always, thank you for listening. Yep. Got you connected. Cool. So first thing you're gonna hear some uh, background noises, Jabari, walking around the lake. Fun <laughs> <laughs> um, part is we're doing a new series. We're trying out conversations throughout Big Bang, and the idea being that there's a lot of concepts that we're coming across when Planet Rise, the game design, game storytelling. But there was also a lot of questions that we came across at the uh, GDC, and it was a panel on black representation. And it turned out that many of those questions are actually part of the framework for what we're doing today. And instead of me hammering on anymore, I'm going to cut out for a second and let Jabari just give a quick introduction of himself, and, uh, who he is, part of Planet Rise, Alchemy Studio, and well, all the things you can explain better than I can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> My name is Jabari. I um the founder of Blue Alchemy, and we're an uh, indie game studio. Our first game is Planet Rise. It's a um, tactical card game set in a epic sci-fi universe with a black female protagonist, um, which, especially in the uh, <laughs> the video game <laughs> platform is quite rare. So, um, what created 
that lead. Right. What caused us to take that lead? Um, you know, that ties into a lot of the conversations on representation or just stereotypical representation, which is almost just as bad. But, um, but yeah, you know, it, it doesn't just stop with our protagonist, who is Mia. It actually goes a lot further with, with the whole cast. We try to create a myriad of um, of people, all uh, all shapes, sizes, colors, walks of life. Um, to really try to give an appropriate reflection of what we actually see here in real life, and give that recognition and representation to all people, uh, which is just so powerful. Yeah, um, probably a better introduction than I could have given that. Um, I'd like to go ahead and start out with a question that we were uh, hearing brought up at the uh, Black, Black Representation panel at the GDC. And I'm just going to roll right into the first question, which was, why are there so few games or movies with the first main characters? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's, it's funny, right, because there's a lot of ways to approach that question. Um, you know, I think one of the most apparent answers is that a lot of developers businesses simply don't see the profitability right that's one of the most apparent answers and there's also things that go even deeper into it but a lot of it comes back to that because a lot of these folks you know think they can make money with it of course they'll do it um but we go even deeper beyond just Realizing that there is the ability to make profit is having the infrastructure and the people behind it, right? Like, um, you need to have people who understand these things behind the scenes writers, uh, producers, artists. You you know, if you try to tell these stories with those people in place and you just kind of speculate and make assumptions, or you just you know, WYSIWYG, that shit together, um, it's just as ineffective, right? Uh, and like, a mother always told us, you know, when you have finesse, uh, and then you complain about not being effective, it's not because that thing wouldn't have been effective, it's because you did it half-ass, right? Um, so I think it's actually a big problem, kind of dance When you attempt these things, and then you know, I didn't do that because you have fast it. You didn't do it right, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, and so you start to see a lot of these successes finally coming around. But one of the reasons why it, it took so long is one, people didn't think it could be done, uh, and that it was worth it. And then here and there, when we tried, they half fast it. They bullshitted it. They just made up stories and actually consult people. Um, they didn't actually put people in the writers' rooms or the artists' rooms or. Etc. They just made shit up and kind of pandered. Um, obviously, weren't stupid. Um, so <laughs> those are some of the, some of the reasons. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, and then um, I'm just going to refer on some of the points that I've heard others bring up because I've had a chance to talk with uh, Ben from the writing team about some of these uh, same questions. And then, also, and then also I had an opportunity to talk with uh, my good friend Sarah uh, regarding some of these questions. And one of the points that she brought up that I just wanted to get your perspective on as well, because I feel like this conversation is always building on itself. And that, and that was that she felt there was also a process in which you needed to so much so much talent in the different departments of the pipeline that actually caused these products projects to actually get get started and be brought be brought through completion. Just and just what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned, you know, all my life, but especially now working in game design is that there's so many pieces to the puzzle and a lot of those pieces are unseen and a lot of times we just see you know what's on screen or on paper or what we hear and we think that that's that it went from nothing to that uh and of course that's not the case and you know a lot of us know that down we know that that's not the case but sometimes we forget about it on a subconscious level right there was a lot of, uh, there were a lot of people there were a lot of things that came together to get it there you know, the ideation, to the storyboards, to the concepts, to so all these things. Um, writers, uh, it, it definitely gets complicated. You have to, you have to have people there at um, all the checkpoints, giving the thumbs up or the thumbs down, like, hey, this isn't right, or where's the representation, or whatever. Um, and obviously, when you don't have that, that's when uh, things end up. <laughs> okay. And uh, just to follow up on that, because I think you brought up an interesting point um, that I know that uh, was mentioned, was the concept of gatekeepers and whether or not that's an aspect that you've come across in any way uh, while developing the game, while presenting it to different audiences, and while seeking out support. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to take the time to say I definitely think things are headed in the right direction. It's still got a lot, long way to go. Things are headed in the right direction. But, yes, there's, there's gatekeepers um, at every turn. Uh, you know, having a female lead, uh, a lead who's a person of color, is still very much so thought of as a niche, a spinoff. Oh, this is this cool little crazy thing that we can do um it's like an actual viable uh leap right it's kind of seen as like this side thing this you know um adjunct strategy uh, and until that kind of mentality starts to change on a wide scale yeah it's gonna subconsciously affect a lot of these gatekeepers who look at um, in that way and then if there aren't enough people kind of helping to keep that thinking in check uh, at least to a lot of pandering um, and a lot of just very instrumental stereotypes Right. Um, but yeah, every every step of the way from be it like funding to just like sometimes people is like 
are or just even like it, towards his peers it happens on on all levels and, and a lot of times it happens on a subconscious, uh, subconscious level that's reiterated uh what we'll experience in life and properties that do get um put through you know and it's, it's uh deep deep what has been um is all that will ever be and that's all that can be done Right, which, uh, which of course we know is not true, and also that, like, hey, when we do things, but we don't inject enough of the proper pieces, then we say, hey, that won't work out. Like, hey, okay, we'll give funding to this thing, but we'll underfund it. We won't give it the proper providers. We won't give it the proper um, pieces so that we can do the representation properly. So that when it fails, we say, oh, we tried that; it didn't work. Well, no, you didn't really try. Um, yeah. Yeah, and actually, I think that moves in to the other point they brought up, which is that well, there's an issue with marketing and marketability, and I'm just going to apologize right now because we're walking by a little bit of traffic. So if there's some background noise that filters in with the conversation, that's, that's part of walking around the lake. But um, there was this question about marketability and about, well, there's also an issue about making these characters marketable to audiences because of issues of relatability. And I feel like what you were talking about just kind of moves also into that idea that until until it becomes something that's more familiar and more common and recognized as actually being um, relatable to a larger audience than what's being perceived by the people doing the looking. That marketing, that marketing is going to be one of those other issues that they can raise up as being, oh, well, here's the problem. It's it's a marketing issue, really. You know, you know it's a marketing uh, I'm always amused by that. Uh, because I think anybody who actually sits and thinks about that for even like two minutes realizes that that's complete BS, right? Because um, I can... I, I can list, even, okay, I'll start off first of all. I can list like a million favorite movies, TV shows, anime, that are not relatable in the slightest sense <laughs> right? Uh, Jason Bourne. What's relatable? I don't know. Nothing. Uh, <laughs> come on, man. Get out of here. I mean, like, if you want to just, you know, get straight to the point, you know, even you got your Black Panther. There's a ton of people who saw Black Panther who are not who don't care about Marvel. Uh, or just whatever. There's so many people who didn't necessarily identify or relate, but they're like, yeah, this is dope. You know, um, it happens all the time. In fact, when things like things that are relatable, yes, that is definitely a marketing tactic. But also, when we deal with fantasy, right, we do fiction, people like to go to undiscovered areas, things that they don't know about, right? Like, I had uh, just talking about the This man finally convinced me to watch the anime. Volleyball. Oh, right. You were telling me about that. <laughs> I'm crazy. This is one of the best animes I've seen. It's on my top 10. It's called Haiku, and it's freaking amazing. Uh, and it's set in Japan, and it's like some high school kids playing volleyball. And that's all it's about. There's no aliens. There's no, like, explosions. <laughs> I can't relate to any of it, but it's dope. Um, so, yeah, to that, I say bullshit. <laughs> Yeah, uh, 
I love that you brought up that example because I know that you were just recently telling me, you know, just as an aside, that, you know, there's a show that Ben's been trying to get you to watch about volleyball. And the whole time you're thinking, how am I going to get into this because I'm just not a volleyball guy. Like, that's not my go-to as far as, like, I don't want to hear anything drama and I want it to be about volleyball. Uh, so, yeah, the, the question of relatability. And also, I think the idea is that, especially with what you were just describing, volleyball, there wasn't a connection to the sport. What actually ended up making a connection with you was something that wasn't about the sport. It was about the, the people who were playing the sport and what their elements of the sport. And that, that's something that we heard brought up at the panel that if you want to make characters relatable, that we need to start talking about them from a human and emotional point. Right. That if we can drop below this and talk about how we all feel things like passion or desire or want or fear and love and how we will do things in order to avoid things that we're afraid of or things that hurt us and what we'll do to keep the things that we love and treasure and value. And uh, that's something that we've had a chance to talk about also on the game and with the characters in our story. Which I'd, which like I'd let you happily jump in on if you want, or we can move on to the next question. But I was just wondering what your thoughts were on, you know, how we've been able to do that and what you felt that added to our storytelling. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> not a very interesting rabbit hole. That's the point of a walk. <laughs> Rise writing man, get intense in there, but um, yeah, that's you know, character motivations, right? Um, because that's that is deepest core, uh, out of how we relate to characters, you know, and that's the thing of relatability, obviously, relatability matter, but the, the, the matter which we're, we're, we're all discussing relatability in a way dismissed uh, women protagonists, female protagonists and protagonists of people of color and things is often skewed, right? Because it goes deeper than those things, right? These, these motivations for people at their core, are they somebody who's, you know, uh, maybe honors being motivation or vengeance or, you know, love actually whatever and we're like oh man that's me or I wish that was me or like I hate that guy but you but you but you feel it you see the motivation see what makes him art and, and, and it makes you feel something right and that's what that's what draws you in and, and for sure with planet rise we have to have that full scope so that full scope not just of how uh look and how they talk and all these other things but what do they do and why they do it, right? And how do they evolve? And do they go deeper into what it was that makes them who they are? Do they find a reason to change? You know, I'm not trying to avoid any spoilers, but like, that's very much so what we try and do. You know, they have they're completely devoted to family, and they may go deeper in that devotion, or they may find a reason. To find something that's more important to them, than, right? And you may have those completely different. They're obsessed with revenge, and then maybe they find something more important, or maybe they find that that's that's that. Um, and having enough different motivations, personalities, 
you can see the fluid nature of just that human experience, right? Within all people, you can find a couple that you can relate to, some that you love, some that you hate, some that you're rooting for, right? That's that's what draws you. Nice. No, I'm going to make that a really great pausing point because I uh, really think I don't think I can add anything better than that. <laughs> I'm going to pause here. We're just going to take a minute to uh, check all the audio technical difficulties, make, make sure we're ready for a couple of questions, and uh, as we continue walking around the lake. Hold on. We'll be right back. I think we got that. All right, so, so uh, yeah, process well, looks like the audio, technical, are uh, uh, a lot. We're going to keep moving into the next set of questions. And um, this is really fun also because I've already heard some perspective from Ben, you know, as a writer working on the game. But you're going to provide a different perspective in that you're the originator of the game. This is your baby. You created not only Planet Rise, but Blue Alchemy Studios. And, and I'd like I'd you to like go ahead and uh, uh, just talk a little, a little bit about, about the process, process for both of those, those like where they came from, or at what point, you know, the uh, the different aspects of our three main characters uh, took prominent roles in that story. Matt, I'll let you take it. Yeah, yeah, big stuff. You're going to be talking for a minute. Yeah, I was like, those, those are a lot of things. <laughs> um. <clears throat> Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, so I'll kind of start at the beginning. Um, and I'm registered. That's, wait, wait, I think I got you now. There we are. There we are. Okay, folks. So yeah, we had a little bit of fun with the last uh, little segment we were just trying to record and some uh, audio cut out, but we feel like you like a solid connection so we're gonna restate, restate the previous question appreciate the understanding for the echo and the and, uh, question, question with a couple of parts was simply what is it what like is it? working with a uh, diverse, diverse lead character and, and supporting characters and that this was a question that's been framed already by Fen who's a writer on uh, Planet Rise but, but this is a different question for you because you're the creator. This is your baby. You came up with not only Blue Alchemy Studios, but Planet Rise, and in many ways, uh, the character of Nia and the story that we're trying to tell. So just go into that a little bit and you know what that experience is like and how it's led to where we are now. Um, right, so I actually want to rewind a little bit to the, even before creating Nia. Just gravity of creating the studio in the game. Um, it started out super small, you know. Um, like a lot of great things, it was a it was a path of self discovery, right? Finding just how much did I want to do this thing. Uh, and it started out like, hey, I've got an idea for this crazy huge game. I'm not going to do that. Uh, and we're actually spending and uh, started off with a small, middle, physical thing of the game, taking it places, playing it. Um, and it was, it was those kind of humbling beginnings uh, that allowed me to slowly 
how much I wanted this. Uh, and so, as it started to, it started to fall and it was five people, 20 people, 30 people, and it started to just, you know, sir, right? It was those beginnings where I had to decide, okay, how much do you want to see? Um, and is this just a fun little hobby thing or is this like serious, right? Because I realized, hey, it was going to be really important for me to right um, to leave um, so that that was a tough choice right it was you know it, it wasn't created you know solely by me um it was amazing. There was a lot of ideas being thrown out, um, and being thrown out. <laughs> uh, it was amazing, right? Um, so it was a very cooperative effort. And then when it finally started to search the life, and um, I remember uh, we, uh, before she had any visuals, was interesting. This was, it was just like me and Finn and a few other random people. Uh, just, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, I love, you know, which fits. I'm like, ah, drinkable. She's never died. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, just protect it, right? And I'm like, cool. So, what does that look like? How does that translate? And then it was really dope. Um, finally, the, the, the proper character doctor, and then, man, getting that. Uh, those images from corner, she was crazy. Like, I was like, oh, no, 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 get that out of here. But it was, but it was, but it was, we had to throw stuff out there and throw it out. Uh, it was really awesome. And then I think one of the most impactful points for me, and this was before um, Nikki was uh, even on the writing team, right? Because Nikki came from that spiral post of Mia. And I remember that when that first viral post in the, uh, uh, what helped me know for sure that I was in this. We didn't have cards. We didn't even have any images of cards. We didn't have, we didn't have, we didn't have, we didn't have any engineering gameplay. We didn't have shit. We had like this fun, dope ass image and some ideas. Um, and this thing just went viral. I was like, oh, I want to cosplay. I want to do this and that. Do these things. What's the story? You know, and I was just like, man, this is, you know, uh, yeah, this is this jail. Little technical difficulty. Um, but yeah, kind of revisiting that point of Nia being created, going viral. We didn't have anything done yet um and just seeing that high level of support from the audience and interest and appreciation for um how she was powerful but not overly sexualized and how the look was original and even getting great advice for like how to make little adjustments like at first she was too uh she was too skinny right and, and people were like how's she holding that shit you know and of course we could have made up some science 
mumbo jumbo feature of all like oh but no it was like yeah okay obviously you know she needs some guns man it's cool. <laughs> if you can see a soldier you're gonna pick up that story <laughs> yeah and just it's kind of funny because that was one of the things that they kind of tagged the, the girl that played Wonder Woman about right when she first cast her they were like they're gonna have to be for us she's too skinny if you're gonna make us believe she's a woman warrior we need to see the body and the, the, the strength of a woman warrior Exactly. So just even all those little things, it was awesome. And having that actually be, there was a lot of, it was crazy. There was a lot of people who wanted to join the team and just off of seeing that. And that was, um, that post was uh, the one that brought Nikki in and it was, uh, who's on the writing team. So it was just dope. Um, whew, yeah, really powerful moment. So that's when I knew for sure. And so like, why? Uh, you know, why did we do it? Why do we still do it? Why is it important? That's why, right? Like, if you can imagine just that, just just a, just a image, a concept that's not even finished before the even games. If you can see like the the surge of support and just even inspiration and everything and all the power that it gives, not just us inside the studio, but everybody else in the audience. Um, think about that tenfold, a hundredfold, right? That's why we do it. It's so important. It doesn't exist. It's not out there. I mean, you couldn't even name me ten black female protagonists in video games. You can't. They don't exist. Um, and I'm talking about the whole history of video games. Uh, you know, you can name me some side characters or some like, you know, people who just in a cast of like a hundred or a dozen or something who are kind of there, but I'm talking about actual main character. Like that is the, that's the Zelda, that's the Mario. No, you can't do it. It doesn't exist. Um, but it will. <laughs> yeah. And I actually, actually kind of like it because it reminds me of this uh, quote yeah. that I'm not even going to mention what the show is or anything like that, but there's a, there's quote, a quote where a uh, poet says to somebody, you think, you think my job as an artist is to show you the truth? Well, well, my job initially as an artist is to capture your attention. And if, and if I have to stumble into truth, truth well, that's, well, that's a lucky gift that we should both experience together and be thankful for. I was trying to do the one thing. If I happen to have an opportunity to do even more than just that, well, of course, I'm going to seize it and run with it and take it to its furthest lengths. Yeah. And then uh, I, I didn't mean to just get all, you know, funny with the quote there, but... Uh, it was something that I couldn't stop hearing in my head as you were talking about because your pursuit was one thing and yet what you came to was something so much, so much more, more powerful in its end and, and with so, so much more possibility than you might have imagined. And that's an amazing gift. Yeah. You know, you things deep and they find a way uh, to the surface. Um, yeah. And you run with it. Right, nice. We're going to go ahead and uh, pause again, just uh, given the technical, make sure that everything's checking out square before we pick up with a few more questions with our good friend, creator, inventor, and originator of Planet Rise and Blue Alchemy Studios, Mr. Jabari. Be back in a moment. There you are. I got you. Yeah. Uh, again, 
doing, doing that quick little audio check because walking around the lake, you're going to have, you know, <laughs> drops connections and little hiccups. But that's part of the fun of this story because it's like any conversation. Right when you think your friend's going to tell you that great part, the car drives by honking, fire with the sirens, and you're like, and then we pause for three seconds and wait for the quiet, and then we can actually be heard. <laughs> right. Um, and this is one that I really want Jabari to be heard because I think the next couple of questions are ones that he can provide some uh, great viewpoint. Again, when you're running a game and you're involved with getting a group of people who are supporting you on it or any project. Um, having the right, right people can make all the difference. So the first thing uh, I wanted to drop into was the idea that they brought up at GDC about what it means and what the value is in having a spectrum of diverse characters. And they use an example of Black Panther in that you could see different ideologies and viewpoints uh, represented through the different characters who were in the past. Instead of trying to put them all into one character and, and have them embody all these different ideals. And, and just what were your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of ways to kind of inter- interpret that uh, for sure. My, my interpretation is that like, hey, you know, uh, what happens? And, and the truth is we all do this subconsciously. It requires a conscious effort to not do this um but let's say you're at work happens a lot especially if you work in like or gaming but like you're the only black dude right suddenly you are the definition of what it means to be black and man which is, and I just can't help but laugh because it's silly, and we all do this, right? And it's, um, and I wouldn't even say that 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 type of reaction isn't like it's not like inherently like racist or discriminatory, but it is, um, how do we say it, uh, carious, right? And you need to be conscious of it, right? Because you might do that, you might travel uh, somewhere, and there's literally just that one sample of something, right? And you have nothing else to judge it on. Now you suddenly judge everything on on that, right? Um, and we, you know, you meet somebody who might be traveling here from like Australia. You've never met anybody from Australia, and now every Australian person is this guy, right? Obviously, it's not true. Um, well, I think they brought up a great point about tech being an example of that, which was the issue that came up with the Xbox. Mm-hmm. And the connect not being able to recognize everybody, mm-hmm. and how the there was a, I can't remember his name, but there was a gentleman who was there who said, "Look, I'm on the panel, and I was working at I think he was working at uh on the Xbox design at the time, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm the guy they tested it on," <laughs> and then he stops for a minute to let that sink in, and kind of looks at the audience and says, "In case you didn't notice, I'm not the darkest guy in the room," <laughs> like, and that's what they were using to measure how well the Xbox yeah. connects to recognize people of color. Right, exactly. And there's there's this whole spectrum, right? So uh, the way the way I interpret that, bringing that back to like that, that question is just, you know, you have to understand that there's a wide range, right? And that we can't uh, try to box in 
a huge group of people, millions of people, into like this one person. Like, no, that's not a thing. Um, and so it also comes with you have to take that into account when you're doing storytelling or when you're putting out properties that have characters, right? And I'm not saying like, oh, really represent you need like a thousand different characters. Like, no, obviously that's not going to always be possible in the case, right? But you have to take things into consideration. So if you have a cast of 20 characters and only one of them is a person of color, yes, you're putting a lot of constraints and boundaries on that one person of color um, because there are no other people of color in which to contrast, right? Um, what also tends to happen is you only have one, they tend to fall into very predictable stereotypes um it doesn't matter if that one stereotype is true somewhere or whatever uh it's boring right because everybody's seen it before um but it's also it doesn't uh it devalues any effort of representation um being done it's it's, it's much better when you it's much better when you defy you defy stereotypes you know um, and, and, and not with intention, right? But you just allow things to be fluid, right? And that you also have something there to help contra- contrast, right? Same thing like, hey, you only have one female character. Okay, well, now people use the first instinct, damsel in distress. Or they'll be like, hey, be really crazy, and we'll do the opposite. You know what I mean? It's like, right? But how about we have three female characters that are all very different? Now we're getting somewhere where we're actually showing some diversity and not boxing these characters into one uh, super predictable um, cliche. Right. Yeah. Um, in fact, I, I think real quick of uh, an example we saw with the three of the strongest leading characters in Black Panther, which was the sister who was the technological whiz, mm-hmm. who was also challenging her brother's uh, belief that what he has is enough, always pushing him to develop more and be better and to, to test and improve. And then you also had the spy, who is not really you know, known for having allegiances because she believes that her job is to get to whatever the objective is and achieve that objective and then get back to the people who need it. And then finally, uh, you've got the guard. system that says it doesn't matter who the guy in charge is my job is to protect that guy and how at a pivotal moment when there's a change of authority and these three characters have to interpret it each one of them has a belief system that says no this is what i have to do and it's different from you and my reasons are this Writing lesson of the day, bringing it back, motivations, right? And everybody had something that they can identify in with these different characters. Maybe like uh, with the knowledge, or was it honor? Was it you know devotion, or all these other things? You know what I mean? So, and they changed. Just using Black Panther as an example, they changed. Their their motivations changed, right? She at first it was like honor. It doesn't matter who's in charge. These the rules. That's it. But that, that, that change, they found something that they believed in that was deeper than that. Um, and see, one of those characters and those and, and the other two are there. <laughs> yeah. Right? You see how much better they become. See how much 
how how much easier it is for them to just be not representative and and, and almost even cliche and stereotypical. Oh, I'll put, you know, the black woman is just big and strong, and they're like, okay, you know, what I mean, they give, they give a wide range, right? And they show that there are, there are many paths, right? There are many people within this uh, within the spectrum. Um, it's powerful. It's powerful. So we do that representation. You have to have some contracts. You can't have just the one. Um, right. uh, it's difficult, right? It's been done, of course. But again, bringing back to that, that that point I was making before, it's like when you have to ask it, right, come back and say, uh, not possible. <laughs> you know? I do. Um, I, I think I think it makes a, a huge difference because you're you're limit, limiting your options if you go one direction and you're broadening all the possibilities if you choose to go in the other by, by simply expanding different characters who can rep- represent these ideals. You strengthen the story and the characters, but then you, but then you come back to that idea that we first started talking about at the beginning of this walk, which was how do you, how do you make these characters relatable? You, you remove the idea that what they look like is what's keeping them from being relatable and you go to the idea that their motivations their passions the things they care about are just just as important to us as they are to them if we have anyone who knows what it means to uh, respect duty and to believe in honor well (laughs) understanding that the needs of of a personal bodyguard don't change depending on who the person is just as if it was the secret service or any other protective unit and the and same is said, if you've got a character whose motivations are to do what they believe is the best in the moment, and they're going to identify with that spy. They're going to say, oh, okay, here we go. Here we go. And then you and have then you someone who's going to say, well, I'm not trying to be that action person in either situation, but I can but use I- my mind, and I can pay attention, and I can look for opportunities and use my strengths as they hold. Those are all three things that a majority, majority of audiences connect with. And those are ways that they can stop making, stop making the argument about how they appear to be a question of relatability and the motivations being like, there's the thread. That's the connection we've made to the audience and to the people that we're trying to reach. And I think uh, it moves really easily into the next part is one of the best ways to achieve that is to have a great group of people working towards that task with you. So, uh, even though you're just talking a bunch, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to go even longer because I would like you to just go into the value of the team that you have working on the game, not only from the writing standpoint, but from all the other aspects that are involved in making this game happen. Oh, man. Um, I'm not nice. I'm not easy. And we're walking, folks. So please, think about that. We're walking while he's answering these questions. Have a little compassion. Yeah, these... Uh... These things are so serious, uh, and we've touched on them a little bit. Uh, the team, the gatekeepers, the people involved behind the scenes—they're they're critical, beyond critical. Um, we've been blessed enough to have a, uh, a diverse team, um, people from all over the world, uh, all ages, you know, genders, ethnicities, um, and you know. Having having that range allows you to get a lot of different perspectives on everything, right? And that perspective 
simple. Uh, it's essential. It's not just like, hey, icing on the cake. No, it's essential. Um, uh, a lot of times when I think about that, I come back to uh, this story. I can't remember exactly how to tell it, but it was about like the old blind men trying to describe an elephant. You know, and each man was standing on like a different side of the elephant or something. It was like, oh, it's tarred, and, uh, you know, it's large, and all this. And everybody had like a small piece of the puzzle. And it wasn't until you put them all together that you could actually accurately uh, describe this elephant. And the whole point of that is that you need all these different perspectives, right? And when you start trying to define these things, you, you know, um, without a large perspective, you really limit the amount of people in the in the range of people that you can reach, that you can identify with, you know. Um, and it's uh, it's been amazing. It's been a growth experience for myself. It's been beautiful. It's been something that's kind of pushed me and helped give me uh, purpose, you know, um, knowing that hey, like we're doing it right, and it's hard, but we're doing it right. Um, and things are happening, and I really hope to continue to push to get more diverse, and um, something that's cool just about the way that the game is built is that uh, we'll be able to have a lot of characters, and we'll be able to, to make the game very diverse and constantly uh, add different types of characters, um, continue to make it very diverse. So, yeah, it's been super awesome. Uh, it's been... It's been tough. It's been growth experience, uh, you know. Um, but man, I wouldn't have had it any other way for sure. <laughs> well, I can only imagine after those descriptions of uh, the benefits and the blessings you've been able to, you know, receive from this project so far. Yeah, I don't think you would give it up either. And those of us who have joined you in the journey for uh, whatever parts I'm lucky enough to to be a part of, we wouldn't let you either. <laughs> We're part of this. We're enjoying it. Uh, I'm going to move into the last last question, which gets a little loaded, and uh, that means I would really like you to unload. So, this is the one that they they expected everybody at the GDC, and everybody sort of did that big swallow, deep pause, looking around to see who's going to answer first. And the uh, the question was, what is your idea of a ideal diverse character? Like, what would that look like? Be like, like, act like. How does that? How, how would you, you describe that? And what would you like that to to be if you could see it? So I'm gonna just honestly, I'm gonna unpack this. I'm not even gonna be around the bush. I'm gonna unpack this directly and say that um, there is not an ideal diverse character. Uh, there is, however. Um... <laughs> yeah. So there is. There's a set of ideal diverse characters, plural, right? Um, so you have to take into the account that this is a shared existence of you know, human beings uh, here in the real life and also in fiction, right? And so it is um, how we exist in comparison and in contrast and amongst each other that allows to represent that diversity, right? So, uh, again, just, you know, bringing back, because it's such a great example, um, with Black Panther, you know, 
he take you know female leads or male leads, but like or a different uh, perspectives. But like if you just had one, if you just had one female lead, um, she wouldn't be diverse. You know, uh, if we took you know the scientists, okay, cool. Um, well, you know, we've been doing a lot of, you know, it almost be kind of cliche, like, ah, you know, of course, tech engineer, we're making all, uh, all black women are tech engineers now, right? Okay, but cool, but no, we shouldn't, hey, that's just one awesome path within which, you know, there, there's no, there are multiple paths, there's not just this one, right? Um, you know, same can go be said for the male characters, right? Um, really longer and the child then you even had you, you actually I mean you had a lot of things to pull from you had uh Baku and you know I can't remember everybody you might want to pause for a second with the construction <laughs> <laughs> for a second we're tired by a little bit of uh that's going on here at Lake Mary and that was probably the biggest equipment and then we've got a small train of students, summer cram students passing by. So you, have so you have to chuckle for a second because this is part of the daily life that gets included in these conversations. And it, it, adds it adds and forms and deepens just a little bit. That is, you know, there is no just singular uh, diverse character and that, honestly, when we when we think that there is a singular diverse character, that's what leads us into um, the cliches and the stereotypes and the misrepresentation, right? Um, obviously, if you really, I don't know, you got like a, it's like a play, you got a one woman show or something, all right, yeah, you know, do your best. It, you know, it's, it's, it's cast of characters. When you understand the life of the cast of characters, right? And change, um, that's when it's done best. And you have, uh, you have a contrast, right? Because uh, let's look at it from how it's already been done. Let's, let's fall back from people of color and women who we know are um, suffering from misrepresentation or lack of representation, well, right? Let's look at uh, is representation. Let's look at um, Star Wars. Right, and not, and we can we can unpack recent Star Wars, but let's go look back in some past Star Wars. Right, we've got, uh, we've got a really cool uh, range of characters, right? And, and or we can look at cool. This is another really cool thing that um that I like is uh. Right, awesome show, one of my favorite shows. Right, that's right. You've got look at all the leads there; they're very different. Right, if it was just like if that whole show was just just pink, right, yeah. it would be super cliche. Oh, this is some drug character or whatever. Who fuck care? But no, you have all these different people to compare him to. Right, forget the fact that he's, he's a white male. That's not the point. That's not what defines him at all. Right when he was like, "Oh yeah, that white male," we're like, "No, oh that that character who actually slowly found uh, a reason to live and had to suffer 
all these things, and somehow, well, or somehow, then he survives. You know, <laughs> right now, I don't yeah, know. You're, sorry, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, we ruined it for you. I'm oh, okay with that. You know, in fact, you know what? Just listen to the sound of this other construction machine in the background. And just pretend you didn't hear anything Jabari just said. Blah, 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 and blah. All right, come on back, man. So now that we've let the people who didn't want to have Breaking Bad spoiled for them, you know, have their moment. Like you said, to go through all that and to come through the other side. Yeah, so, you know, uh, Jesse Pinkman is just one example, just using it of, of one show of... Like, hey, Jesse Pinkman is a diverse character. Not, but see, you know, like, oh, he's a white guy. No, he's diverse because he's got, he's got all these things. But also because of the cast. By himself, he's not diverse. By himself, he's not diverse at all. But now you've got, you've got Walter, you've got Hank, you've got all these other, you know, all these other characters, right? So, uh, to have diverse characters, you have to have uh, a lot more people. <laughs> at least <laughs> like this person right um, some of the first things that we recognize are ethnicity and gender and, and you know and these things but but even beyond that right because when you have asked beyond that now right and so um, that's lost you right there Right, right after you said, now we're showing diversity. Oh, hold on, I'm still. I can't hear you. Can you hear me? Keep talking a little bit. Yeah. Now I got you. Now I got you. Get a funny little spot, but uh, that last part you were just saying about diversity. Yeah. So just you know, my whole my whole point here is that like, uh, just as we we we've been doing with uh with the characters. You know who, let's be honest, tend to be white males. But, but even I think I lost that, you again. Oh, man. Yeah. Let me call you. The hiccup spot. I think we've got it in back in time for the second time to finish up this last little spot. Uh, well, as you were saying. Well, you know, just to to sum that all up, right? Is like um when creating characters, when trying to show representation, when showing diversity. Uh, it's about contrast. It's about a full spectrum of a cast and not just um, ethnicity or gender, right? Um, it's not enough, right? Uh, and, and in fact, it is not, it is, it is less important than what is beneath, right to to define that character to just show the contrast right because if you're just like oh well let's just make him black okay <laughs> well whack not appreciated at all in fact miss me with that you know do it properly or or, or or don't do it right and not even just do it properly but give me give me contrast give me a cast right um that's why black panther was done so well and that's why a lot of other properties were done so well and that's why we appreciate a lot of things that already have been done that maybe don't have women or don't have people of color, but at least had, um, city, right? So, not just about women, people of color. It's also.
For this last section, the conversation gets a little cut off, and after about 18 minutes, for some reason, the app continued recording sound of the city and of the background for another 15 to 18 minutes. Um, When you start to hear that, please feel free to stop listening, but if it's just great background noise for whatever you're doing, well, I'm not going to stop you from enjoying it. Just know that it was an unintentional addition to the recording, And it's not a requirement to experience the full conversation. It's going to happen. We're going to get this final thought. (laughs) Yeah. um, (laughs) Yeah, I guess the the full summary we're we're dancing around is that it's like... Is that it's like all the things. You do one of the things, it's not enough. Um... You know, so you just throw in a female character. Uh, no, it's not. Just throw in a character who's a person of color. No, it's not. You need a cast, and that cast needs to be diverse. So within you just having a black cast, those individuals who are black need to also be diverse, right? Um, it's kind of the, the, the central point, and it's not doing that is not icing. That is essential. Without that... Um, well, yeah, and I think uh, one of the things that kind of killed it was that just about every person who was asked in the panel, you know, what they thought. By the way, walking by a cement mixer, so again, more background noise. <laughs> but uh, one of the things that was mentioned uh, at the end, after everyone had sort of given their perspective on, on what makes an ideal um, Diverse character, diverse character was that one of the ways at the end picked up the mic and sort of closed it all closed up really nicely. She was kind of the host of the panel, so I thought she did a nice job of wrapping up the idea by saying the best or the most ideal diverse characters are going to begin from a place of honesty that's based in human emotion, motivation, and that by building from there, whatever gender or skin color or ethnicity you choose to wrap that up in, however you choose to clothe that, it's going to begin from a place of honesty, which will mean that its motivations and the character will all be kind of rooted in those original ideas instead of having an outer appearance that then they try and instill with those ideas. Um, you know, and, and I would say it even gets it even gets deeper, right? Because um, delivery. Smooth way to say it, but like so, there are multiple there are multiple multiple deliveries around it, right? Um, I know. I've got a lot of people I know who are very honest in their ass, right? So, you know, again, again, the one thing is not enough. A lot of a lot of subject matter is sensitive. The approach uh, needs to be done right. I mean, I can think of a million um, movies and shows, etc. Well, hey man, that wasn't cool. Hey, wow, they they did that perfectly. Right. Um, so I have to understand. It's like, hey, yeah, you could be honest. If your delivery uh, isn't done right, hey, 
you can you can miss me with that, right? right? <laughs> uh, Want to be diverse, but like if you don't if you don't have that, if you don't have that contrast, if you're not really doing work, you know, again, just like, you know, our mothers raised. Don't go in there like okay, I told you wash the dishes, but if you like half ass wash them, uh there's still like food on this plate and like they're not dry. <laughs> like no, it's just as bad as if you didn't right. do it at all. I mean, the, road right. to, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We all start from a good, honest place. It's where we go <laughs> on this little journey to the end part. Where we go after we go after you know, those are all the things that are going to decide. You know, what that honesty takes shape and how it forms. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, it's it's. It's wild out here because I mean, there's a there's a lot of uh, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that need to be talked about and need to be said and, and art and story is a really great way to do it. But you also have to understand that like, hey, uh, how we how we address these things um, is very really important, right? Like I have a friend who just did a movie about. You know, this is just man, 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 serious stuff. This is about like prostitution um, in the area and trafficking. Super serious issues that need to be addressed. It's a huge problem, especially in the Bay Area here in the Oakland, um, and you know, and domestic abuse and everything. And he did a movie about it. It's a fictional story, um, and like, whew, that's on, that's the, some honesty in there. But again, there's two very different the inappropriate and an appropriate way uh, uh, those things, you know. Um, uh, so it's just like, yeah, and I bring I bring up that serious issue. That serious, just you know, to show the gravity. Like when we're talking about all these all these different things, like yes, you do have when you, when you get into serious issues, you do have a certain responsibility. Um, so like. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, uh, it's something that I think about a lot, actually, because it's like, okay, you want to have diverse characters, you want to have, you know, characters of people of color, and women, and et cetera, and all these things. But yeah, you need to, you need to get it right, right? Because as far as me is concerned, you're going to have women and children, and all these people like idolizing her, right? So you do it. You do it. You're responsible, and it's not. Like, and, and that's something that you know. Sometimes, sometimes like, ah, responsible for you know the effects of the things that I create. You can't judge me. You know, um, yes, you are. And so when we create these, and, and, and you got to realize, which I don't care if it's a video game character. You know how many people play video games or watch anime? These this stuff is powerful. You see how many people dressing up like Black Panther right. after that they have responsibility to what they were creating and the ripples that that causes. So, yeah, I say all that like <laughs> with intention, you got to do it right. Okay, you got to do it right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, I appreciate it, man. You, uh, you truly unloaded and I think you covered a lot of different not only, Not ideas, only ideas and beliefs and positions and perspectives, but, but also just a lot of variations that we're going to be coming back to while we're working on the game, while we continue to have these conversations, and while we and while continue we, to work this process, because 
until it's done, until nothing's it's done, final, nothing's decided. And everything that we're working towards, we're as susceptible, we're as, susceptible as anybody else to the complications we just described. These are things <laughs> we're actually facing presently. And how and we how choose to deal with them, how we choose to make our final decision, and where we come from when we're making those decisions is going to be something we'll, in the end, be judged by. I mean, and that's I mean, something we have to bring back to, which is that's part of the responsibility of what we're doing now. And that these are questions we have to take seriously because the response is going to be as important, if not more, than the creation that we're making. That this thing that we're doing is going to be received and how it's received and the impact of that reception is going to be, well, well just, it's going to be in many ways greater than the creation, the thing that we put together and finish. And, um, and um, that's a powerful reminder because when you do when say you do this say is done, done, you have to be ready <laughs> for all the things that are going to come afterwards, which are, which are why, why and, and explain and defend. And, defend and, and are you ready are for you everything ready? else that comes after? So I think it's really right. important that that's where we wrap up. And I appreciate yeah. bringing it today. Yeah. yeah. Folks, well, we're going to wrap it up here. We have completed have our completed water on the lake. It is a gorgeous day in Oakland. And we appreciate every second you took listening to our conversation. While I'll let you finish up with anything you'd like to end with. Uh, I'd say this was a cool day one. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to be playing with the audio and tech and, you know, see if we can ramp it up a little bit and make it as clean as possible for you. But we believe this is a first step on a great journey. And we appreciate everyone who's joining us now and everyone who uh, we look forward to joining us later. Thanks for taking a walk around the lake with uh, myself and my good friend Jabari. Peace. What'd you think, man? It was cool. It was fun. Nice. Different. An ability to do it hands free would be ideal. It was easy. I was like, man. I didn't realize like there's a couple of moments where we got into some stuff. I'm like, ooh, ooh. Dude, okay. I, I I realized I was like, man, uh and I and I realized that too kind of when you said it, but then when I looked from the side, I was like, man, okay, well getting you revved up, man. Yeah. It was kind of funny because there was moments where we were talking that people were watching by us. Yeah. Did you did you? <laughs> yeah. I saw Tal people look directly at me and go, What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, just walking and talking. <laughs> You're only catching part of my conversation. Right. So hopefully it's just kind of hard to finish. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> you can imagine if suddenly someone's like, hey, and we're like, yeah, so we're a bit um Hey man, do you want to be on this recording? Right, because <laughs> we're recording. <laughs> but you know, we have to talk about it. Right? Oh, we have to talk about it, and it's just that I think other people are thinking about it, whether they're talking about it or not, you know, hearing other people talk about it. Yeah. It makes them part of the conversation. Yeah, it makes them part of the conversation, and hopefully, it causes them to spread the conversation to others. I mean, the idea being, wouldn't it be nice to get one or two people who would talk to you? You can call them and to leave a message. I thought you did great, but you missed something. And we could do like that. It's like a little school day. Everybody wants to dance, but they all just sit on the wall. Everybody's right. on the stage, but nobody's fucking even.
one person to fucking start it off. Right. And then everybody's like, like, I was, like I was kind of, you know, getting a little too amped up about yesterday where I was like, judge me. I knew it. You know, like, yeah, I'm going to put up some stuff too. And yeah, I can't wait. Well, they're worried about being said. Great. I'm no. telling you, I'm happy with that. Like I said, it tells you as much about you as it does about me. And also, it shows you the things I need to know anyway. Like, those judgments are going to give me everything I want to see. We're close. The sensory details are part of my, uh, you know, fun for today. I slept all day yesterday. As soon as I got out the bowl, you guys slept for like another two and a half hours. Nice, man. <laughs> I was like, ah, I do good. Got up, went to the gym with Tracy. What are you up to now? What time do you get to? You got to work. I go to work. Yeah, a little bit of time to shower. Yeah. Um, time to eat. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to start moving back towards uh, what Tracy's doing. And, uh, I'm going to start moving back towards what Excellent. 
former Robocop, who's the head of the, you know, Federation, is the bad guy. He did a dirty thing way back when, coming back to bite him in the ass. And part of you have to now root for the quote-unquote villain, because his is the actual, like, honest story. He's the real victim, and he just wants justice. Like, so when it comes back to Smith, that exists there. He wants to bring back Marabade, but what's his symbol of justice? You know, for, for Khan, it was his people and guaranteeing their freedom because what had been taken from them will never be taken from them again if he does it right. What's Smith's thing? Like, he doesn't just want to bring back Marabade. He wants justice, right? Or he wants something. You know, I don't know. That, that's, that's where I'm stuck, too. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I almost still going around when I was in the 
storytelling with Seth. I want to again take the opportunity to say thank you, not only for joining this discussion, but for uh, taking a walk with us and joining a new attempt, a new adventure, a new direction, hoping that it's something that proves successful not only for us, but for you as the listener. And again, any feedback that you uh, feel compelled to provide for us is only going to help us make this a better conversation, a better experience for you. So thank you again for listening, and thank you in advance if there's something you want to share with us to help us make things better. You can always check back here for regular podcasts from Storytelling with Seth, and I look forward to the chance to speak with more great people like my friend Jabari. Enjoy the rest of your day. Look forward to sharing another story with you soon. Oh, thank you. Thank you again for listening to 
storytelling with Seth. Whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording. Feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me. should be a really simple little button. And if you're having any trouble, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. And I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help. But your listening, your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you again, not only for listening, but for your generous support. And for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.